You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 22. Hey guys, I hope everybody is staying safe out there. It is, well, I guess not day one. I guess we've been quarantined for a little bit longer, but what feels like day one because I'm trying to work from home and take care of my child and my husband's trying to work from home today. So it's kind of day one for me and us over here of this corona COVID-19 crisis. Stay at home as best you can. I did share some stuff in my story over the weekend on Sunday of just some frequently asked questions that I've been getting about COVID-19 and what to kind of expect if you are going into the hospital. I have them saved in a little highlight section on my Instagram if you want to check those out. And I'll be adding any information that I talk about in my story there. So definitely go there, you know, if you want some, want to look at some frequently answered questions. All right. So this week we are doing an episode all about postpartum depression, guys. Okay. So this episode is a little bit different because it's kind of a two part episode. I interviewed my friend Mallory, who struggled firsthand with postpartum depression with her daughter. And she kind of told her story the first go around what it was like. And then she also talked about she's had another baby since then. And she talked about her experience, kind of what to prepare herself for, you know, since she had that this history of postpartum depression, kind of what to expect, how she prepared herself and how her experience was different. It was a really, really amazing interview that I did with her. I mean, I cannot even tell you how beneficial that I think this episode is going to be for somebody like you maybe who's experiencing postpartum depression right now or has in the past and is pregnant again and worried that they're going to experience it the next time. Definitely tune in. So Mallory talks about her experience for the first half of this episode, and then I just come on solo for the second half and just answer some of your some questions that I have seen about postpartum depression. So let's jump into episode 22, all about postpartum depression. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hi, Mallory. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Can you just start by telling listeners a little bit about yourself and your family and where you're from, how many kids you got, what your hobbies are, anything you want? (laughs) Sure. Well, you said my name is Mallory. My husband and I live in Nashville, Tennessee, which we love. Mm -hmm. And we have two kids. We have a daughter, Tessa, who's almost three and a half. And then we have a little boy, Micah, who will be eight months tomorrow. So we're busy and uh, we love it here. I work part-time in special education and we like to eat out at restaurants and do that sort of thing. Yeah, Nashville's a great place for that. It is. Yeah, Yeah, I've been twice and I couldn't tell you the names of any restaurants, but all I did was eat the whole time I was there. (laughs) Oh, 
Yeah. So good. Anywhere you go is good. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Cool. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we are doing a little bit different episode today. We're not doing a birth story, but we're going to be talking. Mallory was so gracious to reach out to me and say, hey, I know you want to do an episode and talk more about postpartum depression and kind of dive into some questions that people have on this subject because, gosh, it is so, so common, which is so, so sad. And you experienced this firsthand, Mallory. So Mm -hmm. you said, hey, Liesl, can I come on and just explain, you know, tell my situation, hopefully so that can resonate with some people out there who are going through the same thing, or maybe they're pregnant and they're worried that they're going to have postpartum depression. So thank you for coming on. If you could, I guess, talk about first, I guess I want you to start kind of where you first recognized it, or maybe mm-hmm. if you had any issues during your pregnancy, I'll just let you go right. ahead. Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. I think honestly that it is my experience with postpartum depression with my first was related to some of the experiences that I had during my pregnancy. So yeah. I had a planned C-section at 36 weeks, five days due to a complete placenta previa. Mm -hmm. And so she was a little bit early. Mm -hmm. And because of that, she had some breathing issues. And so we weren't able to do skin to skin immediately. They took her to the transitional nursery. My husband went with her. And it was about six hours before I really saw her after she was born. Mm -hmm. And I just remember the first time I, I mean, they held her up over the curtain. So I saw her briefly um, before they whisked her away. But the first time I went to the nursery and saw her, it was a couple of hours. And I just remember feeling this sense of, I don't know whose baby this is. She just, she didn't look like I thought she was going to look like. I thought she was going to be really tiny because she was early, but in fact, she was really chunky. I thought she was going to be blonde. She had really dark hair. She looked like my father-in-law. (laughs) <laughs> and and I just had this sense of disconnect between the baby that I thought I had been learning with and growing with and yeah. connecting to during my pregnancy and then this baby that they handed to me. And it was that immediate of, I don't feel connected to you. I don't even know if I know you. And, I, yeah. and that's something that I wasn't really expecting. I expected to see her and to feel this overwhelming love and this mm-hmm. sense of recognition. Well, that's what everybody tells you. Yeah. I mean, you, everybody's like just immediately fall in love, which I, you know, most people do, but yeah, I think the reality is that this sometimes happens and that's okay. It's a completely normal response. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't know how much of that was because of the C-section. Sometimes I think like, well, I didn't see that transition of her you know, being from me, coming from me into the world. I don't know. But yeah, I just had the sense of like, this baby is weird. I don't know that this is my baby. And obviously it was. I saw her and then I went back to my room and she still stayed in the nursery for a little while longer. Mm -hmm. And my whole time in the hospital, I was there for three days because of the Mm C-section. I just felt strange about her. And I was like, you know, I'm a first time mom. Maybe this is just you know, maybe it just takes a while to figure out, you know, what it, what it looks like to have a baby and, you know, what it looks like to develop that sort of love and joy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm recovering from surgery. This has been a lot. Mm-hmm. So we got home and my daughter's temperament was not very 
easy. So uh, she's now a very joyful three and a half year old, but she was angry. I don't know if it's because she was early and she was like going to be happy to float around in there for another four weeks. Yeah, could be. And we took her out, but she, yeah, she was just not so happy. And I just immediately felt what I now know through months of therapy uh, is called dissociated. Mm -hmm. It felt like I was like watching myself from above go through the motions with this baby, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like my life or my baby. It felt something that I didn't expect was yeah. that I had thought, oh, when you have postpartum depression, you feel sad. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel sad. What I felt was nothing. Like no. I, I felt like yeah. hollow. Yeah. It wasn't that I didn't have love for her. I didn't, I didn't feel anything. It was like I was a ghost, like I wasn't there. So this went on for a couple of weeks, and my husband obviously is getting increasingly concerned. Yeah. And he's like, maybe you should talk to someone. Maybe you should see someone. And at the time, I was like, this makes sense that I feel this way. Like, I'm not sleeping. I have hormones going crazy. Right. I'm in pain from surgery. Right. I can't work out. I can't see my friends. I can't go to work. Like, of course, I'm miserable. Yeah, like, it's just it's objectively, a, it's a, it's this an extreme, is hard. Yeah, it's like an extreme right. change. Yeah. Right. And so I think because of that, I was talking myself out of the fact that maybe this was more serious than, you know, your typical baby blues. Mm-hmm. And then around three weeks, I started to feel like if something happened to her, I would feel relieved. And that's a terrifying thing to say, even now, mm-hmm. like now that I love her so much, it's terrifying to admit that. And I never felt like I was at risk of endangering her or myself. Right. But I remember starting to feel like if someone came and took this baby, I wouldn't hate it. Like right. I would have my life back right. and that wouldn't be the worst thing. And it was at that point that I was like, okay, I think this is not That normal. was your red flag. Yeah. <laughs> That was my red flag. So around that same time, my husband came back from work one day and was like, Mallory, I'm starting to get nervous that when I come home, you and this baby aren't going to be here. And I don't know what that means. I don't know where I think you would go or what would have happened. But I'm starting to feel like I can't leave you two alone here and Mm. feel good about that. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, (laughs) I need to see someone. So I went and saw my PCP around three weeks and she was like, are you crying a lot? Yeah. And I remember at the time thinking, of course I'm crying all the time. Like, what yeah. sort of question is that? This is miserable. Yeah, and that's so, insulting. <laughs> um, yes, like, are there people that have babies that aren't crying all the time? Right, I, right. Like, I couldn't imagine how that could be. Right. And so she was like, yeah, I don't think this is normal. I think that you need some help. So yeah. I got on medication at that point, which was really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say immediately. I would say... Within maybe two or three weeks, I started to feel like things were more manageable, but it was probably until my daughter was six months that I really felt like myself and like I was inhabiting my own body again and that I could see why people decided to have babies and why people decided to have second babies and right. that, that, that me this a long was time. all going to be okay. No, I, I can, I can resonate yeah. with that. I don't think I had a, any postpartum depression, but I just remember feeling like 
this is so hard. I can't even wrap my head. Like how, right. how do people, they have BB fever in a year after, yes. after having babies, you know, like, cause I'm like, this yes. has been so hard. Like I love my son so much, but it's like, this so is so hard. hard. And like, I have no, I'm like, I do not, I- I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I can, I can understand that. Yeah. And it's made harder by, you know, people come and they drop off food and they're like, oh my gosh, isn't it just the best? Yeah. Don't you just love it? Yeah. Oh, babies are so sweet. Nothing's yeah. better than a baby. Yeah. And you're like, no, this is the worst. And then like it's so it hard creates, actually. <laughs> yes. And it yeah. creates even more isolation because you're like, do people not feel like this? Am I right. not supposed to say that this is really hard and actually I right. eat it most of the time? Right. Yeah. So it, then you just get, you know, all tangled up in your head feeling like, Ugh, like maybe I'm the only one. Maybe it is supposed to be right. like this joyous experience. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you know, if you feel like you can't talk about it with anybody, then that makes it even worse. Right. Can you talk about, you said you started, I just want to get a time frame of like kind of whenever it yeah. happened. So you said it was about three weeks. Mm-hmm. You saw your primary care provider and then right. did they refer you to a therapist or did you have a therapist already that you had been seeing or kind of, yes. or tell, and also tell mm-hmm. me about any other treatment options. Maybe you, they recommended yeah. or if talk therapy was the mm-hmm. only thing that you did. Yeah. So we did a couple of things. So I saw the provider and I got a medication. medication I also right. made a choice at that point to stop pumping. I had been exclusively yeah. pumping. My daughter had a really poor latch being early. And so I decided to stop pumping and that honestly made a huge difference because it meant that I could sleep longer Mallory, of time I, because my I husband cannot, could take a shift. I cannot tell you how, I mean, I'm very pro breastfeeding, breastfeeding is great, yeah. right? But yeah. that is so important to tell moms that yes. that contributes and, to a lot of yeah. issues, a lot of postpartum, and I a lot was of feelings. <laughs> It really does. And I was thankful. I had called my pediatrician when I got on the medication and I said like, Hey, is it okay that I'll be taking this medication? Is that okay? Is it going to transfer through my breast milk? And my pediatrician said, do you think that your pumping is related to you needing to be on medication? Because if it is, stop pumping. Yeah. And it was so helpful to have my child's pediatrician say like, your daughter needs a happier mom more than she needs your breast milk. Well, she was validating Um, you. You know, like she was right, like, hey, exactly. like <laughs> maybe this is what yeah. 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 So I stopped pumping and then we also lined up some childcare just so that I could have a couple of hours a week again because I wasn't breastfeeding or pumping. I was able to take that time. So we lined up some childcare so I could, could have a couple of hours a week either to take a nap or yeah. to get out of the house That's or great. to you know, go grocery shopping, get a pedicure, whatever. Right. And that helped me just feel more like a real human. I also just started journaling a lot. I started writing. And I'm thankful at this point, some of that writing has been published, which has been great. I've always felt like I want to share this story. I want to make something good out of it. And then I didn't start therapy until my daughter was actually one. And we decided like, okay, she's one. We're going to try again because that's what people do, I guess. Right. And so we tried for one month. And immediately after when I was in that two-week wait, I was like, we have made a mistake. I am not okay. Uh, I am not ready. Yeah. And so I decided like, we have to put a pause on this and I have to go to therapy because Mm -hmm. turns out I am not at all over this. Mm -hmm. And so I went to therapy for about nine months when she was one up until really she was almost two. And that was really helpful just to have someone identify that 
like I had trauma around this situation and I needed to work through that before I could consider going back there and and to help me sort of reframe some of those memories that I had. I mean, for a long time, I couldn't look at pictures of the first couple of months of her life Mm. because it was still so painful and because I still didn't recognize her and I didn't recognize myself in the pictures. And so it was really helpful to talk with a therapist and to just try to create some new associations with with those first couple of months. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. Let's talk about, I know you wanted to talk about this, how, you know, now you have a second child and when you were ready for the second child, knowing you had this extreme experience in this long amount of time, how Mm -hmm. did you prepare knowing that, Hey, I'm at a much higher risk. Like I want to really go into this situation with the best Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah, I mean, it was terrifying. It's yeah. scary thinking about going back into that situation. And yeah. the only experience you've had has been terrible. So you think that the next one's going to be terrible. And, right. You know, and also thinking about how in the world I would manage PPD like that again, right. excuse me, while also taking care of my toddler. Right. So I wanted to be really intentional about doing some things differently to try to make sure that I had as high a chance as possible to not to not deal with it again. So I did the counseling, as I mentioned, but then I sort of adopted this mindset of anything that we can change, we should change. Yeah. I decided to stay on my medication throughout my pregnancy. Yeah. Which was scary. I'm generally not a person that loves to take a bunch of medication while pregnant. Yeah. But we decided that the benefit outweighed the the low risk there. So stayed on my medication. I tried to have a better pregnancy experience overall. In terms of, I also decided to get on medication for nausea. Mm -hmm. I was visiting a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. I got occasional prenatal massages. I cut myself a break with the amount of screen time that my daughter was having. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go into the birth with as much energy and as much just emotional stamina as I could. I didn't want to go into the birth feeling really beaten down by the pregnancy. Yeah. So I tried to just have a better experience overall. And then some the things that you could control, right? I mean, sometimes right. pregnancy is control. like, you Absolutely. can't control it, but that's really important to note that you did all of that right. stuff. Right. Yeah. And then something sort of unconventional is I decided that I wasn't going to try to connect with my son while I was pregnant. And that seems kind of crazy. Interesting. But as I mentioned previously, so much of that disassociation I felt like I had with my daughter was because she didn't look like or seem like the baby that I thought I was going to have. Uh-huh. And so with my son, I really tried to be like, you're going to be whoever you're going to be. And I'm not going to think about what you're going to look like. I'm not going to think about what your temperament's going to be. Oh, I'm not going to try to connect with this mystery baby. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to try to wait so that I can love whatever baby they hand me. Right. And I do think that was helpful. Was that something that your therapist recommended to you or was that something just that you just kind of realized that hey like this happened the first time yeah that was something that I just decided to do I'm also sort of a catastrophizer and I felt like gosh if anything goes wrong with this pregnancy maybe that will protect me I don't think it actually would have but I wanted to try to be I guess sort of open-handed like I felt like I wanted to clench everything so tightly so that I could control it right and I decided instead to try to be open-handed and just be like, whoever this baby is, this is what it is. And I do think it helped because then, you know, when I had another C-section, they were like, he has strawberry blonde hair. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. (laughs) That's so sweet. um, 
So talk about now that yeah. he's born, did mm-hmm. you experience any of the same symptoms or kind of what happened with that? Yeah, so I really didn't. And it has been just such a restorative experience. Yeah. I decided to formula feed from the start, which I yeah. think was really helpful this time around. That's great. And I understand now how people love babies. I didn't have any of the same PPD experiences. I think it helped obviously being on the medication. It also helped having my husband and my family sort of be on high alert mm-hmm. for any sort of symptoms or any sort of red flags that were going to come up. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, it's just been amazing. And he has been amazing. I think I've realized that it sort of brought on another layer of grief with my daughter. Now that I realize the experience that I could have had with her and I didn't. So that's been something I'm still sort of processing through. Yeah. But I can resonate with that because I like, I know I had postpartum anxiety with him and I mean, mm-hmm. I even think about that. And I talked to my therapist about that. That's like, I feel like I missed out on stuff because I was like, just so anxious right. and worried about things. So right. but that's, yeah. 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 It's hard looking back and being like, dang, I wish that, yeah. I wish that that could have been different, right. but it's not. And I'm right. so thankful that I made the choice to try to have another, to have another baby and to, yeah to risk having the PPD again because right. not having had it again has just been so healing for me. That's so great. And yeah, it's just been really great. So, yeah. and I know for me too, that I guess just prayer and just sort of almost meditating on those things that I wanted to be different helped too. But yeah, it's just been, I was going to ask really you any, I really appreciate that. any like additional mm-hmm. resources. So firm believer in like uh-huh. meditation and prayer. If there was anything, yeah. maybe you read or a website or somebody you followed on yeah. somewhere, you know, yeah, if there was so, anything you can, mm-hmm. you can give to other Direct people. people to, yeah. Yeah. So I think some of the resources that helped me were just standard grief resources and realizing that it's okay to grieve at the experience. Right. Isn't what you thought. And that that's as much of a loss as anything else. Yeah. There's a website for an organization that's located here in Nashville that they have a bunch of resources that are available online called ppdjourney.com. PPDjourney.com. Um, one of my okay. friends, yes, one of my friends, Allie, started it after she had a pretty significant PPD event after her first. And mm-hmm. they've produced a bunch of videos and have some really good blog posts about people's stories as well as more medical explanations of how some of this stuff works. So yeah. that's been really good. And then just finding people that you can talk to yeah. about it. That goes so far. <laughs> it goes so far. It yeah. really does. <laughs> well, that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. I think that's a great way to end things. I'm so happy to hear that you had such a wonderful experience with your son the next time. And I think that just gives a lot of people who you know, we're in a similar situation with their first one, you know, a lot of hope Mm -hmm. and now resources and things maybe they can do with a subsequent pregnancy to hopefully, hopefully not go through the same experience because yeah, it is like you said, so isolating. It's just not something that I would wish my worst enemy on. Depression is awful, (laughs) awful, awful, awful. awful. any sort of depression, anybody listening, maybe you're not pregnant and you're listening, any sort of depression is awful. Mm -hmm. So, all right, Mallory. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you just share if anybody wants to connect with you on the internet where they can find you? 
Yeah. So I actually am off social media now as yeah. a new resolution, but I'll give you my email. You can put it in the show notes. I would yeah. love to have anybody email me or reach out if you want to talk further or if you have any other questions. Yeah, sure. Mallory, uh-huh. M-A-L-L-O-R-Y uh-huh. dot A dot Whitmore, W-H-I-T-M-O-R-E at gmail.com. Or I do have a website for some of the special education consulting I do, which is iepguru.com. My email address is on there if anybody wants to learn about special education. Cool. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, I'll link all of that in the show notes page for people to check out. Mallory, thank you so much. This was such a great addition to this episode and I'm so excited to put it out now. (laughs) So thank you. Yes. Well, thank you for having me on and and giving me a platform to tell a little bit of our story. I really appreciate it. And I do hope it's helpful for some of your listeners. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you so much again to Mallory for sharing that experience with us. I mean, that was just such an amazing story. I'm so glad that she was able to come on here and tell that. So this next half of the episode, I'm just going to answer a few of y'all's questions. I haven't taken a, a lot, but I've just felt like I need to answer some questions for you guys too regarding postpartum depression. So first and foremost, a lot of this information that I found on the internet came from a source called postpartum.net. So if you are experiencing postpartum depression, or you think you might have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, or any other perinatal mood disorder, head over to postpartum.net. They have such incredible resources. And shout out to Psyched Mommy, Asherina from psyched mommy. She told me about this resource and I cannot recommend it enough. So postpartum.net is where you need to go if you are looking for kind of an all-inclusive resource out there for these types of mood disorders and you feel like you're struggling. All right. So number one is what should I do first of all, if I need help, if I feel like I fit into this category, if I've just heard Mallory's story and I'm like, ding, 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 that is definitely me. So first of all, if you need immediate help, okay, if you feel like you are a danger to yourself, danger to your any of your family members, if you're having suicidal thoughts or thoughts of, you know, really hurting yourself, please contact either 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. You can also head over to their website at www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And like I said, it's also appropriate to call 911. Okay, that is completely okay too. If you feel like you're not at that point yet, you're not having suicidal thoughts or thoughts of really hurting yourself, but you're like, I really need help, talk to your provider. Okay, give your provider a call. If you say anything about, I feel like I might have postpartum depression, they will get you into their office, okay, to see you. So it's really important if you feel that way to tell somebody, okay, don't just bottle it up. And maybe you're not quite ready to call your provider, but you need to just call a friend or talk to your mom or talk to your partner or talk to somebody. These things, as you've listened to in Mallory's story, these types of issues, there's a lot of things that we can do to fix them. But the very, very first thing that we need to do is recognize that we need help and we need to ask for it. 
Some moms do find it helpful as well to write down their symptoms, you know, stuff that's been happening to them as it's kind of happening. Because sometimes you get into the office and they are asking you questions. You're like, no, I guess I haven't been feeling that way. I can't really explain what's been going on, but it's just been weird. So if you are in the moment and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel really, really anxious or I feel really, really X, Y, Z, write it down. Say, hey, I was so anxious the other day that I started crying and I couldn't even go out of my house. Or I was having thoughts of that, you know, this is truly never going to end. I feel completely hopeless. So yeah, write down your symptoms. A lot of moms do find it helpful to do that kind of before their appointment as they're going into their appointment. And some moms also find it really helpful to take a supportive person to their appointment too, if you feel like you don't want to go alone. And that's perfectly okay. And I think some people would say that that's a good idea. They want to bring somebody with them. And some people say, no, I'd like to go by myself. So, you know, just use your best judgment. You know you. All right. Question number two is one that I get pretty frequently too. And question number two is just what are some of the common treatment methods that I can expect if I have postpartum depression? So everybody thinks it's medication, right? But that's really not the right answer. Medication is a form of treatment and many moms get referred to care providers and they prescribe them medications to help, but that is definitely not the only treatment option. Treatment plans are definitely different for each individual person, okay? Your treatment plan might look completely different from, you know, another person's treatment plan, but it might include increased self-care, Okay, lots of social support. Talk therapy is a big one. So they will get you set up with a good talk therapist in your area and treatment of other kinds of symptoms. And sometimes this does include medication, as I've said. So self-care, self-care kind of looks different for everyone, right? Most people need a good, you know, <laughs> proper rest at night, okay? And it's hard to come by when you're first a mom. I know that. So proper rest, definitely getting, you know, adequate sleep, good nutrition, making sure we're eating. If we're not, sometimes we feel like we're too busy to eat. So we're making sure that we are eating around the clock. Sometimes we're just not eating the right foods. And then having help too, that is a form of self-care, you know, calling somebody and saying, hey, can you come maybe help with baby so I can do X, Y, Z, or so I can take a shower and do my hair, do my makeup, or, you know, whatever makes me happy. Some people like meditation. Meditation is a really good form of self-care. Yoga is a really good one. Self-care just kind of looks differently for everybody. Some people want to go out and they need to take a walk around the park, <laughs> or some people want to go out and get their nails done. I personally learned what my own self-care looked like when I started really going to therapy myself, which I still see my therapist about once a month. But she kind of asked me, what are things in your life? Maybe you're not even doing them right now, Liesl, but what are things in your life that have really bought, brought you joy? And I thought back and I said, oh, you know what? I really used to enjoy this, or I really, really used to enjoy that. And I don't really do that anymore. Why don't I do that? I guess I do have time to do that. That would really make me happy. Those are my forms of self-care. So it's going to be very different for you. It's hard for me to sit here and say exactly what self-care looks like for you. But that certainly is usually a big part of your treatment. And like I said, that's probably going to be addressed once you start going to talk therapy. 
Exercise is another good one. And that also looks differently for everyone. Some people enjoy, some people really, really, truly enjoy any form of exercise. Me personally, I do not. I need to find exercise that I actually enjoy and then it feels like self-care. But for me personally, I enjoy exercising now because I'm not like running as fast as I possibly can run. I'm running slower (laughs) or I'm doing exercises that aren't like super, super hardcore where I'm like breathing super, super heavy. But that might feel differently for you. But exercise is a really, really great form of self-care and treatment for postpartum depression. Social support is another one. Okay, so that includes talking (laughs) obviously talking to people, okay? And this might be your mom, this might be your friend, this might be your sister, this might be just your partner. But just having contact with other people is really, really important because we do see sometimes that postpartum depression is more in people who kind of isolate themselves. And it's very easy to do when you have a baby, right? That's like all you're focused on. Social support is really, really important in most all treatment plans. And then talk therapy, I've talked about that a little bit too, but talk therapy is a very, very good form of treatment. And most women who fall into this category of postpartum depression, they get referred to therapists who understand perinatal mood and anxiety, you know, disorders, and they'll work with you in individual counseling sessions because this postpartum depression It could be related to something else that's going on in your life too. So really a good trained talk therapist is so, so beneficial. Light therapy is another really, really good option. And I haven't ever personally experienced this, but I know that that is something that a lot of women have benefited from. And then finally, medications, okay? And like I said, not everybody is gonna take medications. Some people are, some people aren't. There are a lot of different medications, a lot of different antidepressants, a lot of different anti-anxiety medications, a lot of different you know, mood disorder medications out there. And I get this question all the time too, that are these medications okay for breastfeeding? And they are. There are some that are not okay, but many of them are. So if you're breastfeeding your baby and you're concerned Concerned about the medication that you're taking, there you know may be a different option for you. And some moms do need medication upfront. That's the first line of treatment. Some moms kind of do other things, and then that is a last line of treatment. I can't sit here and say everybody needs to only use medication as a last form of during your treatment because that might not be appropriate for you. You might need it first, okay? But just know that that is a form of treatment, but it is not a treatment that is appropriate for everyone. Most doctors will agree to that if you've previously had success with a certain type of mood disorder medication with maybe another time in your life you were depressed or anxious and they put you on a mood disorder medication and you were, it was really beneficial, they might start with this one first. But there are so many of these different types of medications. So if you do go the medication route, just know that it might be kind of a trial and error system for a little while to kind of find one that works best for you. And I will add in here too that a lot of these medications can be taken during pregnancy as well. If you are not one that's experiencing postpartum depression, but you have prenatal depression or you have prenatal anxiety and you need to go on a medication, a lot of these medications are safe during pregnancy as well. You'll just have to work with your care provider and they will prescribe ones that are safe. But don't be 
super, super afraid of taking a medication during pregnancy or during breastfeeding because you're afraid of what it might do for your baby. Because these medications, they've been studied and many of them are very, very safe, okay? And if you are really one of those kind of people who really needs medication, then it's definitely a good idea to, to take one. All right, question number three is just, are there certain risk factors for developing postpartum depression? So yes, there are. And first and foremost, with that said, postpartum depression can hit anyone regardless of having these risk factors present, okay? But if you have any of these risk factors present, you are at a little bit higher likelihood of maybe developing that. So just keep that in mind. Even if you are 100% clear, you're still at somewhat risk for developing PPD. So number one is prenatal depression. Okay, that is a huge risk factor. And I don't know what the statistic is, but it's a very high percentage of women who experience prenatal depression during their pregnancy will go on to have postpartum depression. And that goes for prenatal anxiety too, okay? If you have any sort of prenatal mood disorders, you are definitely at a much higher risk of developing a perinatal postpartum mood disorder. Another risk factor is a history of any previous depression, okay? If you've had a depression in your life, you know, at some point in your life, it appears that women with histories of depression previous, you know, to even getting pregnant are at a little bit higher risk of having PPD. And that goes for other sorts of mental illness, okay? If you have any sort of other mental illness, regardless of depression, maybe you have anxiety or schizophrenia or, you know, another sort of mental illness, you're at a little bit higher risk as well. So any sort of mental illness makes you a little bit more high risk for developing it. Another risk factor is a really stressful life event, okay? And ding, 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 hello. <laughs> Guess what a stressful life event is? Having a baby, <laughs> okay? So if you coincide that with another recent stressful life event, this has definitely been found to be a risk factor for moms who experience postpartum depression, kind of just all these life events hitting you at once, which is totally understandable. Another big risk factor is inadequate social support. Okay, so we talked a little bit about how important support is in your treatment plan. So if you really don't have any sort of social support around, you're at a little bit higher risk. And then the last common one, okay, there's a few other risk factors, but the last really common one is if you have a baby that has a very difficult temperament, okay? So a baby with colic, baby that just screams all the time, lets you get a very, very little sleep, obviously that can be a little bit more of a risk for developing this postpartum depression because you're just more stressed kind of all the time. All right, question number four, and I have two more. Question number four is, what should I say to someone if they think I'm totally fine? Okay, so maybe this is your partner, okay? Or maybe this is somebody in your life that's really close to you. I would hope it's not your partner, but maybe it's your mom or your sister, your family member that's saying, you know, you don't look sick. Why are you acting this way? You don't, you know, so really what should I say to these people if they think I'm totally fine because like I don't really look sick? Because that is a truth to this whole postpartum depression thing is that many 
many of these women, this is why it goes undiagnosed so long, is many women just kind of go about their normal lives and they don't talk about it and they just kind of suffer in silence and they just look like they're completely together, okay? And on the inside, they're not. And unfortunately, you may have to deal with these types of people in your life that are saying, like, what's wrong with you? You don't look like you're sick at all. You might look like you're doing better than you feel, and you really just can't explain that to friends and family. It can be really, really hard. This is from postpartum.net. Postpartum.net says you can explain that some people call postpartum depression the smiling depression, okay? Because moms often try to put on a happy face even when they feel depressed. You don't need to tell anyone about your illness unless you are comfortable doing so, okay? Bottom line, if this is you and this is maybe somebody in your life dissing postpartum depression, you don't have to open up to them, okay? If this is someone in your life who you do feel comfortable opening up to, okay? If you feel comfortable opening things up, you might start out with saying, Things are more difficult than expected, okay? That even though you don't have any outward signs to point like a broken leg or like a fever, you just aren't feeling like yourself and you do appreciate their support. Some family members do find it really helpful to get information from websites like concrete information from websites or books or brochures. And postpartum.net has a lot of great resources for that. So that's kind of what I say to these people is that, hey, I know I don't look sick, okay? I don't look like I have a broken leg, but on the inside, I'm really, really hurting. And I just really need your support at this time. And most people, most nice people, (laughs) most caring people who really, really care about you will respect that. All right, and number five, the last question is, how long will it take for me to feel better from this? Okay, that is a tough question to answer because it can look so differently for so many people. Unlike some of the other diseases or illnesses or viruses that are out there, like the flu or a common cold that, you know, we can say, oh, you'll probably feel better in about 14 days. Perinatal mood disorders, anxiety, depression, these sort of mental illness disorders don't have a set time frame. It really is different for every woman, and it just depends on many things like your treatment plan, your access to support, and informed healthcare providers, okay? So if you're going to a provider who's not a super great fit for you, that might kind of lengthen, you know, the time that you feel better. But I do want to just remind you that every perinatal mood disorder, okay, no matter how strong and how bad it feels right now, the symptoms are temporary, okay? And it is treatable. This is not going to be the rest of your life, okay? I know it probably feels that way. And hopelessness is a very, very common, common feeling with postpartum depression where you feel like this is just going to be the rest of my life and I just am going to have to deal with it. And I feel so, so hopeless. This will get better, okay? This is not a permanent thing in your life that you're going to have to deal with. Some moms say that after a couple months, like a month of really going to heavy therapy and getting on a medication regimen, they feel worlds better. Some moms say, you know, it takes three or four months, some moms longer. But just keep that in mind and keep that in perspective that it is at some point in your life going to get a lot better. All right, guys, that wraps this episode up of postpartum depression and Mallory's story and answering some of your questions. I definitely encourage you that 
if you feel like this is you, again, talk to somebody, okay? Talk to your care provider. Get on the phone with your care provider right now and make an appointment. Call your mom, call your friend, call your partner, talk to somebody, okay, to get you help because it really, at the end of the day, like I said at the end, is treatable and it is temporary. But the first step is always asking for help, okay? Bottom line, that is the most important step in all of this, okay? Wish you guys the best of luck if you are one of these who is struggling right now. It will get easier. Are you looking for birth education? Did you know that I have two fabulous birth courses that are super affordable? Well, I do. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast to take a short quiz to see which birth class is for you. When you purchase either birth course, you'll have full access to it forever. And that means it will never expire and you can access it throughout any stage of your pregnancy or for any subsequent pregnancies that you have. You'll also gain free access to my Facebook group, linked to the class where you can ask questions about your pregnancy, share your birth story after you give birth, read other people's birth stories, and get to know other members who are in the course. There is also a money-back guarantee, so if you are at all unsatisfied with your purchase, please, please send me an email at hello at mommylaborers.com for a full refund. There's really no risk to signing up, and I promise you will learn a ton about what's to come when you give birth. As a listener of this podcast, you automatically get 20% off any purchase if you use the code PODCASTLISTENER. I've had tons of moms just like you enter these birth courses and have fabulous, wonderful, empowering births because they feel so much more educated about what's to happen. So if you are at all curious about birth education, again, I encourage you to go to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast and use the code podcast listener to save 20%. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast, so I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.